I personally have a qualification call with every single client. And there's a few things. So firstly is, is this person crazy? And crazy can mean a lot of things. <laughs> hey, feasters. Welcome to episode three of season five of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Rez, helping you improve your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, who's had success and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's living in the feast. This season's theme is selling your service. And if you're thinking about productizing a service, whether it's your entire business or just a piece, I'm excited to share this conversation with Jared Gold from WebsiteByTonight.com. Jared has created a unique service where he builds websites for his clients in a screen sharing session with the client. I know from my own experience and maybe from yours, this would feel like the worst idea ever, but he's found a sweet spot where folks and businesses on Squarespace struggle with getting their sites to where they need them to be. So over a couple of sessions, that's exactly what he does. In this episode, we dive into what to look for in a lead outside of the tech for qualifying that lead and how important it is for the collaborative process moving forward. Also, how to explain the value proposition. And also, when you have a defined process that delivers success for the project, don't let the client take you away from that simply by politely sticking to your process and setting expectations. You'll hear how Jared thinks about solving problems. And at the backbone, that's what you need to be great at as a business owner. And Jared is certainly that. So let's just dive into it. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers like you wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that is both profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get exclusive access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down build recurring revenue, and become that go-to expert for your services. That, together with the monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit-chat, and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to build a business around the life of your dreams. If you're serious about not competing on price and having those clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast today. Head over to feastcourse.com. If you use the code SWEETSPOT at checkout, you'll receive 15% off the annual membership price. Hey, Feasters, welcome. Today's featured co-host is Jared Gold. Welcome, Jared. Thanks for having me, Jason. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Jared is a co-founder or founder rather of Website by Tonight. It's the easiest, most affordable way to launch a simple and professional website. And we'll dive into what all of that means. Uh, he's also a founder of Meal Tribes, which I'm fascinated by. I have to, I'm going to have to ask you a little bit about what that's all about. But Jared, I'm sure I didn't do that intro justice 
why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and uh, why you do what you do? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, once again, thanks for having me. And I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Website by Tonight. And essentially what we do is we have a, a productized service where clients fill out a project brief and a content document. And then uh, once we approve that, we match them with a the designer of ours. And then they build the website in real time over screen share, usually two separate screen share sessions, and then um, give them some basic maintenance training and, and they're on their own. And all of our websites are built on Squarespace because that's perfect for our clients and super easy to maintain and has the functionality they need. And, uh, and then we hand it off to them and they're all good. We do it for a flat rate, uh, usually much less expensive than they would pay if they would go like a traditional agency or something like that. So who are your clients specifically? They are most likely uh, one-person businesses, so solo entrepreneurs, independent consultants, solo practitioners. Uh, we also have some, some new businesses or organizations, maybe with a few people, as well as like really simple e-commerce stores, so maybe like 20 items or less. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's perfect. I mean, you have to kind of know who your sweet spot client exactly. is. And I talk about that a lot on this podcast. The, the more you know about your client, the easier it is to sell to them, to, to market to them and everything else. Do they come to you more along the lines of having a website already, or are they looking to just put themselves out there? Maybe they've just left the full-time world and they're starting their own business. How does where do they fall in line there? I think it's a pretty good mix. I would say in general, most of the people, it's not a side hustle. So it's something they've been doing for a while and they dislike their current website. In some cases, it is, and in some cases, it's just a redesign versus uh, on Squarespace versus entirely from scratch. Maybe they have an old WordPress site or an old Wix site uh, or what have you. And then sometimes they are, you know, they're like, hey, I'm leaving my job or, you know, I plan to leave my job in the next six months. I need to set this up. So I would say it's maybe 70 to 80% people that already do it full time and have been doing it a while. And then that 20 to 30% are taking a very serious jump. It's not just like a, a nice to have side hustle. It's like, if it is a side hustle, the plan is to make it the full time thing in the next three to six months, I'd say. Mm, okay. Yeah. So let's take a little bit of a step back. How did you come about creating this productized service? Were you doing this for your own clients or how, how did this all, what was the genesis of this? Like, I don't think I'm clever enough to think of it on my own, <laughs> like uh, just uh, innately. <laughs> so what happened was um, I kept having a few friends of mine um, that were solo practitioners in some capacity come to me. And, you know, if you're not in the website space, if you just hear someone does web design, every website is the same to them, right? They, they think I need a website. Oh, it's Jared. And that's great. But obviously there's, you know, simple websites and then there's complex web applications. And I just do the simple uh, Squarespace sites. That's my bread and butter. And so, um, yeah, people came to me, these solo practitioners, and they're like, hey, can you help me with my, with my website? And as you know, doing like a really basic website with, you know, just someone like on their own, you know, the budget probably isn't too high, it's just generally like a little bit less exciting of a project, right? And so mm -hmm. finally, after this one person asked me, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just fill out these quick questions, you know, other sites you like and why, kind of some basic project brief discovery type stuff, and then just write your content on a Google Doc for like a home services about contact type scope. And you can just come over and we'll just do it together. 
And so I did that with him and it turned out great. And then I did it with uh, a few other people that came to me for like a, a much lower price. Maybe one or two people came over and a few other people did it on a screen share. And then I realized that I really had something because it was much more interesting to do these sites when it was in real time, whether they're next to me over a screen share, then it wasn't worth it, especially with the price range, doing it with all the email back and forth and the guesswork that comes with, you know, the usual web design process where, you know, maybe you put together an entire homepage. Obviously, there's ways to mitigate that with wireframes and mockups and all that. But that only makes sense at a certain budget, whereas you might as well just just go for it if it's a lower budget uh, website. So anyway, it just kind of materialized from there. And I realized that, you know, before with my original business, I was doing all the Squarespace sites myself. And I was kind of like a, a one-man show. I, didn't, I wasn't really building a, a business. I was the uh, practitioner. And with Website by Tonight, mm-hmm. I realized that this could actually be something that, that I could scale. And then I could be, you know, more of a quote-unquote business owner, if you will, where I'm not doing the work. Maybe I'm managing it from a high level and can have some standard operating uh, procedures and all that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I think is fascinating by it, that you're doing it in real time with the customer. That in and of itself could potentially present its own problems. How do you structure that screen share or those sessions? Well, I'm going to say the first thing I do is just like when you you know, were a web designer, I'm sure you didn't just take on any client. And I wanted to make sure in this case, there's no, even though it's low budget, it's, there's no like self-checkout. So I personally have a qualification call with every single client. And there's a few things. So firstly is, is this person crazy? And crazy can mean a lot of things. <laughs> crazy awesome. can mean a lot of things. Uh, I would say the most common kind of crazy is if they have really, really specific design preferences and every pixel has to be in an exact place. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, if they do need that, probably that requires something like WordPress and a lot more money and a lot more time and all that. And I'm, more thorough process. I make sure that that is not the stipulation. I make sure that someone's just looking for something simple and professional. And as long as it looks good, it doesn't have to be every pixel in every exact place. And when I say that to, to clients, if that's a fit for them, they completely understand it. They're like, yep, that's, that's me. A lot of times it's kind of like a checklist item. You know, they know they need it. They don't care necessarily that much how it's done, so to speak. So they're not too particular. The other thing is ideally they're a little bit tech savvy. So if they're going to have a problem filling out a Google Doc, even though I think that's even easier than, than Microsoft Word. If for some reason they have a problem with that, you know, it won't work. If they send over some sites they like and why they like them and they're just super insanely intricate and that's what they expect, it won't work. Uh, what else? I would say like punctuality or if they seem like flaky. So I need to see that the person is motivated enough to write their own content and stick to a deadline and do it via screen share. So for example, if someone's like, hey, I'm, I'm not interested in doing it via screen share. Can you just do it for me? I'll politely decline that request. So they all kind of have to fit that box. Mm. And also just to avoid confusion, um, you know, I would say for now, they have to be like fluent English speakers. They don't necessarily need to be native, but uh, and not everyone has been uh, native, but they need to be able to understand it because there's a lot of nuances in a website that, you know, there, there can't be any disconnect on. So yeah, I would say like hyper qualification there. And, you know, sometimes things do occasionally arise where someone maybe has trouble setting up the screen, you know, getting the screen share to work or things like that. But I think my designers, I have three designers now and I have a few queued up if I need them. I think they all have the process down pretty well and they're getting every website they do is getting better and better because it's 
it's kind of a, its own skill to be able to make, to be a, a good designer, but also make judgments on the fly and, and communicate directly with the client. So I think that I've found people that operate in that and are also like at least decent at training the client on the basic maintenance stuff. And all my designers uh, are also in addition to being uh, Squarespace uh, experts via the Squarespace circle, like label, they also are Squarespace authorized trainers. So I think all those things kind of mitigate the problems here. I mean, sometimes there are hiccups and in maybe like a few cases, maybe we've done perhaps like 90 websites in the past year and a half. And I haven't even really done any large scale marketing. I'm really starting to ramp that up now. No one's ever asked for a refund, knock on wood. And I've really only had to fire perhaps two clients out of that. Uh, let's say two clients out of 92, right? So I'm pretty mm-hmm. proud of that. There's obviously a lot that can go wrong, yeah. but knock on wood, it, for the most part, it goes pretty well. And I think that one of the best things about this is that people are really, really grateful that this existed. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting too, because it's like, you know, as a developer, the last thing I want is somebody, somebody else's, especially the customer's eyeballs on what I'm doing while I'm doing it, because I feel like it's micromanaging almost. But at the same time, that high touch portion of your sales process or even just your onboarding process, right? It's a filtering and then go into sales is that it's from my perspective, it's like you really need to understand exactly who it is that you're serving and being able to work with. And it's not just somebody coming to your site and saying, okay, buy now. And then I'm getting my website tonight, right? Like there is that little bit of a high touch portion of the process that is critical in order for the success of that website. Uh, I think it's super smart. What are some of the challenges though, when it comes to that high touch sales? Like when I go to your website, I saw the process laid out. So I, I get the, the idea of screen share, but do you have people wondering what, how this process looks, or is there this preconceived notion that like, okay, I get a website. It's, I understand that it's not pixel by pixel customization that I, I maybe want or need or anything, but do they start the process and then, oh, wait, this isn't what I want to do. And then they back away or how, how do, what are some of those challenges there? Yeah, I, I think there's, there is some intangibility there. I just actually redesigned my entire site today and I'm adding a bunch of portfolio examples on it. I'll send it over uh, by the end of the day. I think it'll be about done. And, you know, I think that explainer video I created was hope really helps explain it. I hope people find that effective. I think most people get it. And if they don't get what a screen share is, then I say, listen, we send you a link to watch our designer screen. We can't see you, but you can see their screen and you can be on a phone call and you watch them build the site and you give them feedback and they make changes accordingly and you go back and forth. And I think if I just say it in those extra layman's terms without saying screen share, I think people really get it. I think there's only, because of my hyper-qualification of of leads and having a pretty solid idea of who my customer is and who they aren't, I think it is a very rare circumstance when someone's like, that this is not what I wanted. I do recall only one instance out of these past 90 or so where that was the case. And um, the woman went through the entire process and I kept warning her even before the deal closed and lesson learned. I you know, if I have enough doubt, I should just turn them away. But she kept insisting and she was really persistent about it. And then by the end of the process, she entirely finished it. 
I think she realized that she was just completely unclear on her business. She was maybe throwing together like a version one of a website for a platform she was starting. And I mean, I didn't think it was a platform. It was more of like a, a, a more like video filled blog, but she was viewing it as a platform and there was a lot of functionality. She kept changing her mind. So I think the point is that overall, if I just confirm that someone is crystal clear of what they're looking for, there's very rarely miscommunication. And also just seeing other clients' websites that, that we've done, I'm like, hey, is this the kind of level of detail that you're looking for? And usually, even though, it's a, even though creating a website is very intangible, describing everything, and maybe some people think certain things are easier than others. Like, for example, if someone was going to ask, hey, I really expected an accordion. For those of you who don't know, that's like a, a li- listing. It's like a, you click a box with a plus symbol and it reveals some other content. I'm sure you see it all across the internet or like mm-hmm. tabs where yep. you click into a page and it, and it reveals other stuff. So like usually clients aren't too insistent on that, but sometimes there, there could be a miscommunication. But I would say in general, I just send them examples of what we've done and hey, is this the level of detail you're looking for? And usually they'll say that's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm, that's awesome. I mean, I've always had that project brief. That's what I call it an application that basically I put people through leads that come to me through to see what their level of clarity on what they want from me is. And what are the goals? What are the smart goals? Like, yes, everybody wants more traffic or more revenue or whatever. Right. But like, what is the numbers? What's the timeline? What's the numbers? Where are we at now? Where do you want to be? Like all of that. I want somebody to have at least stop and thought about it for five minutes, not just on a whim. But to your point, there are some times where it's like, there's this gut feeling. Like you could read one of these applications, be like, boom, that's gonna be a successful project. And then there's another one where it's just like, yeah, they're saying all the right things, but I don't know, there's something different about <laughs> let me that. Let me ask you this. <laughs> uh, when you think of that, is that like an example where someone's tone is a little bit strange? or they're like too detailed or too specific or too confident in what they want. For me, that that sets off an alarm bell if they're too hyper-specific or too confident and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to sometimes get that through a text-based form, but there's usually some, like, and I've learned over the, the years that I've been doing this, I've learned to trust my gut and not go with my brain sometimes, like just, So that's usually when I will filter that through a call, a face-to-face conversation uh, or a meeting or whatever, just so that I could see them say the words. Because if I could see them say the words, that's when, for me, that's, like you said, like, there's something not right here. Like, I just, (laughs) it's not going to work out. I don't know. There's something that, there's like, and I could usually get to the bottom of that just simply by asking how they got here. Like, why me? Why now? Right? Why is it important for the business? And hearing those questions, because oftentimes they're not asked that, that'll usually be telling. Like, it'll either be, oh, we tried to, we went with somebody else. They dropped the ball on X, Y, and Z. Maybe they've filled, like, sometimes you could tell that they've filled out, I don't know, 50 of these types of applications and there's a cut and paste thing going on. So, you know, like they're just trying to get behind the gate, right? Like they're like, okay, if I say all of these things, I could get behind the gate and we can have a conversation. So yeah, all of those things. And I have a two red flag rule, right? Like my rules is if I see two red flags, that's it. 
Like, I'll refer you out. I'll try to figure out another solution for you because I know that third flag usually gets me into trouble. Like if they don't hit that third flag, the project's not going to be as successful as it could be. They're not going to be as happy. I'm not going to be as happy. There's just two flags. This is enough for me to say no. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you said there. You know, there was a bunch of different points that I thought were interesting, but I would say the overall uh, I liked and I try to emulate the same thing where it's not like I'm trying to work for the business. And it sounds like you're not either. You're more it's almost like they are working to have the privilege uh, to work with you. So they're kind of qualifying themselves. And I think that helps everyone. You know, I think a lot of people with client work or in the creative space, what have you, they're hustling They're when they're especially when they're just starting out and they're excited at the prospect of winning business. And they don't realize like at what cost. like we've all if you're in this long enough, there's some clients that maybe even still give you nightmares. Like there's a few people I harbor ex- extreme resentment <laughs> over, for, but I don't think about them very often. There's only a very small handful, but just the way, you know, they were disrespectful and I saw it coming and they were just impossible to please. And, and sometimes that's the case of people. And it's not worth the small potential upside of some money for all the possible downside of, you know, I, I've had one client and this is all in the past five and a half years. I've done hundreds of websites, but I did have one client that at one point in the night, I, I was like, I woke up in the middle of the night, like panicking and emailing her. And I'm just like, leave me alone. Like we're, we're done. Like I did everything you said. I, I can work on this no longer. And finally I got it done and I could sleep so much easier after it was over. But I knew I should have seen a red flag because for example, she used one of these logo design services and she goes, Hey, here are all the concepts. I've redone them with my designer three times. He blocked me so I can't get any more versions. And I should have known, oh, like if you use one of these logo design sites and they block you, there's probably a big red flag. And, I'm, you know, she meant well. She wasn't a bad person, but just some people are just really extremely difficult to work with. And so I think they need to earn the right even more so to work with you. And if it's because it's a collaborative process. And so there, there's that element of give and take. And, you know, it's not like they're just it's not like they're buying a book from you. Right. Right. You need them to uh, give you things and, and work with you to, to finish that. So I like your approach. And I think I think if more people took it, there would be less uh, less problem clients, less, less yeah. problem projects. I mean, to your point, it's collaborative, right? Like I say this during the sales process, even as a brand new lead into my business, as well as on my proposal, as well as my client kickoff emails. Right. It is that it's a collaborative process. I'm here to be your partner. If you're looking for a pair of hands on a keyboard, there are more cost-effective solutions out there for this. You don't need me yeah. to do this. And your success is my success, right? We're on the same page. There's no, you know, like I try to, and I really, in the sales calls, I really hit that home if they are talking about a previously bad experience with another developer or another vendor. And I say, I, can, I appreciate it. I can appreciate your feelings on this subject, but for one, I'm, I'm not that person. That's not how, I don't know who that person is. I can't, I don't run my business that way. So I try to reframe it where they're talking to me, not thinking about their previous experience, right? Because mm. I'm a different person. I'm a different business. How you interact with me is different than how you interact with you or somebody else, right? So that's part of the whole learning experience because like you said, I've had those clients where I've just woken up in the middle of the night and be like, this is <laughs> not worth it. It's just not right. like I'm running my business. 
I have to protect my time. I have to protect my mental space, right? I have to, I have to protect my other clients' time as well, right? So if if I'm taking time out to answer every little email or if I'm changing tweaks and constantly iterating on your project and there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, well, I can't sacrifice my other clients for that. It's maybe not a fit, right? Yeah. Uh, so on that point, you made me um, just think of like an overall kind of mantra I've adopted. And that's like, you, you know, it, it's like in life, you set expectations for how people should treat you. And I think, you know, to your point of like setting client boundaries, like some clients throughout different processes or, or, or working with them, you know, they would like bombard me with emails every time a thought comes through. And I, some clients, you know, they, they required more handholding than others in terms of saying, in order to best serve you, I really need all of these things consolidated. It's really hard to track things via email. Can you please do that? And I've noticed that every time I thought I was doing someone a favor, the way I thought about it in my head of responding to their email super quickly, or every time they had a, a thought, I respond. I'm really actually doing myself and themselves a disservice because for me, when I answer at every drop of a pin, which is a bad habit, it's not good. I'm only encouraging that behavior. And also it's taking me out of my usual process, which I know if I follow, I'm pretty confident in the successful outcome. But then if I deviate because of their own preferences or maybe even kind of sloppiness, then that's when I can't guarantee the project's success. I think you alluded to that a lot. And I think that's the key is once you figure out a process, just politely stick to it and set those expectations up front and let the client know it's in their best interest to to follow them, even if they're the type to have an inkling to text you or email you every, I, you know, they're super enthusiastic. Sometimes the most enthusiastic clients are actually the most dangerous. It's like, hey, just chill out and <laughs> let's gather ourselves and all of our ideas. Yeah. Look, we could just end it right there with that. Right. But I mean, <laughs> right. but it's super, it's super important because especially as a productized service. Now I've productized my business, right? So everything I do for my clients, meaning communication, onboarding, delivery, status calls, all of those things is the same. Every single client goes through that. But what I do for each of my clients is different. So it's, for you, you definitely have to, I mean, you have certain margins, you have certain, you, you, you have certain salaries that you have to pay. I mean, anybody that deviates off of that process, I mean, could blow the profit right out of the water there. Uh, you know, I, it's, I've always thought that I have a certain profit margin that I want to keep for every piece of, or every project that comes through my door. And once I start if they text me or if they, they email me off hours, you know, I have to literally resist the urge to respond or right. find a tool, right? Like texting, I don't answer. Like that's for my wife. That's for my sister. <laughs> like text right. me that way, right? That's your boundary. Right. And yeah. email, you can email me anytime you want. I'm going to reply to you the next morning and that's fine. Like I set all of these expectations up front and if the boundaries aren't there, or, you know, they need me. I mean, obviously there's some waiver. If there's a launch or something like that, then we plan all of that stuff out. But if it's a random Wednesday night at 1030 at night, I'm not going to answer your morning your, your email until the following morning. So right, um, right. They, they understand that. But so let me ask you when, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about tracking the, the progress of the project. When you're going through your sales and, you know, you said that there was, it was like two people 
you had to let go out of 90 some odd people. How do you track your sales through to being a successful project? Do you have a certain tool that you use? Do you have a certain checklist that you follow? How do you make sure that essentially nothing gets fall through the cracks, but then be able to also optimize your sales process to increase those profits? I think that is something uh, I do pretty well, but there, there's definitely room for improvement. So I'm already a pretty process-oriented person, which I think really helps. And so firstly, I use G Suite. So just Gmail for business, for those that don't know. And I use a free CRM within Gmail called Streak. Mm-hmm. And I recommend it to a ton of people. And it's really awesome. There are some paid features starting at like $50 a user that I don't quite need yet. So I track all of my prospects through Streak, which is like a visual spreadsheet within Gmail that works really well. And I just have some stages that I move people through. And I'm very diligent about updating that data, including things like estimated close date, next step, check-in, whatever. Uh, so I think that's really important. It's, it's not important to just have a CRM, but it's important to have one that you're going to use that you can easily follow and that you're, you're staying on top of the data. Otherwise, it's, it's totally worthless. Now to the next point of the project management stuff, as I continue to ramp up, even though my designers are really good, I don't want to have to email them periodically saying, can you please send me the link of the draft website? Because usually, for example, I like to look at the draft website and email both them and the client after the first screen share, because usually we split, split it up into two separate sessions, unless they're on a super tight timeline. And so I'll ask both of them how it went. And I'll want to see the site myself. And even though they're, they're always good, I'm never disappointed, I'm always going to want to see it for QA purposes, right? Mm-hmm. I think you have to be like just a tiny bit paranoid <laughs> in life. And so, for example, I want that. I never want to have to email them to do that. I want to be able to just look in at the end of the project. I want to have a central repository where I can click through the projects, see the dates of different sessions and completed any notes, the link to the final site, a CSS file, if there was any custom CSS, as well as a styles backup file, which you can export from Squarespace in a JSON format. And like, so let's say a client accidentally clears all all their styles, which has never happened, knock on wood, but who knows what can happen. It's nice to have that backup file. And so I'm in the process. I I hired a, a process like operations kind of person from Upwork, which I vetted very thoroughly. And, and she's great. And so I'm having a, a process call with all my designers this week to then pass to her. And she's going to just finish out building this process for me and then create a quick training video as an internal resource for everyone and document those processes. So that's really going to help. I mean, I'd say the process is probably 80 to 85% there. And I just want to move it a tiny bit, tiny bit closer to the hundred so that nothing ever falls through the cracks. And after looking through a, a ton of different software, I think the one I'm going to go with is called Pipeify, which is like a Trello, but it has some more integrations and automations. But the main thing is that it has better permissions. So you can assign, I want to have like a master visual board and you can assign only a certain card with all the project information to a specific designer. Even though all my designers I fully trust, just to, minimi- just to minimize the chance of any human error mm. if someone accidentally edits someone else's card. And then there's also some good reporting natively in it. So that's what I'm looking into. It's still a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, but fortunately I have the process pretty down in my head and it's just about just making sure all the T's are crossed, I's are dotted and putting it into this software and training people on it so that I don't have to bug them for links or files or things like that. 
Yeah, no, it's super smart. And I, I love that I'm definitely a process oriented person myself. So I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate the little paranoia as well. <laughs> the idea of letting go and things like that. So I appreciate that. Um, so for the listener, Jared's been gracious enough to, if you're interested in what he's talking about, and what he's doing, if you're looking to maybe try a service, because I know some of you out there have a service and then you want to branch off and explore another option and you want to build more than just a landing page on your website, this sounds like an, a great option. If you mention the podcast, he's going to give you a discount. We'll put all of that in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Before we wrap this up, I have to, I have to ask because it fascinated me by it when I saw it. Meal Tribes. Can you explain a little <laughs> bit about what that's about? Sure. Yeah. That, I didn't expect to get asked about that. I, I like the surprise. Yeah. It, uh, so Meal Tribes is a potluck dinner platform and community based in Washington, D.C. And essentially, I just created to scratch my own itch of I personally never really liked bars. And I like, you know, better conversation, more authentic connections. I don't think most people enjoy going to bars or they're not themselves you know, when they're hammered or in this loud environment with crappy music <laughs> and a bunch of people you don't want to be around. So yeah, I started this potluck dinner community and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. People are really enjoying it. It, it took a backseat to Website by Tonight because it's hard to run multiple things at once, but I do want to pick it back up again. And right now it's just in DC and we operate, we tried a few different platforms and I think we're just back to a Facebook group for now because I think that's actually the easiest way to coordinate for the time being. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, th I think I should try to pick it back up again. Thanks for asking about it. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, well, this is a pretty cool little, little thing, but like, so it's, it's more of like perfect strangers instead, like, cause you use the bar analogy there. Like, it's like, if I want to meet other people in and around my town, let's say, I mean, my wife and I, we, we've been here just a little over a year in this town and you know, we met the neighbors and such like that, but like we could essentially sign up on a website and meet the neighbors. I mean, is that, is that what the context of it? I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, uh, the mission of meal tribes is to empower people to belong in their own communities. And I, like that. I think the, the key is like, are you, first of all, the, the people should be peers. For example, if there's too wide of an age gap, it feels kind of uncomfortable for most people. That's what we've learned. Mm -hmm. And just 90 to 95% of our signups have been people in their 20s and 30s. Okay. But that makes sense though, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we all, I'm a millennial and you all, uh, <laughs> everyone reads about how we're the loneliest generation and all that. And I think there's a lot to it because, you know, we're the first uh, really getting into technology. Obviously, Gen Z is our digital natives and maybe they can better deal with the addictions of technology. I don't know. You know, but but millennials, we remember a time when there wasn't when there wasn't broadband internet, right? So we we've kind of seen the whole spectrum as the internet really boomed and evolved. So yeah, there's this kind of rift of, hey, we kind of are addicted to technology now, or we hide behind it, but we all know deep down that the way things sort of used to be before relying on the internet, like going outside and playing and what have you, it you know feels pretty good, right? So uh, yeah, I think. People, especially in their 20s and 30s, but in general, I'd love to have people connect. And ideally, they share some of the same values. So I put the values right on the website. Hmm. So for example, you know, if you're going just to like network for a new job, that would not be the best thing. But if you want right. to go and really get to meet people, if you're willing to contribute, you don't have to be 
an expert chef, uh, but ideally you're not the kind of person that brings like a, a bag of Cheetos. Unless, unless it's like complete, you know, you haven't been to a dinner party and you learn after the first time and you figure it out. So like, you know, we want you to bring something to the table and we want you to participate. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to to say a bunch. You could be quiet and listen, but we want you to also be present. So don't be on your phone the whole time. I'm sure you've been to uh, a dinner party where, or or just some kind of engagement where someone was on their phone the whole time. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it kind of kills the the mood for everyone because you're like, Hey, everyone else having a great time. Am I not interesting enough for this person? So I think if you share the, if everyone is sharing a same core set kind of values, they don't have to be too, too specific, uh, as well as their peers and their nearby. I think there's a level of trust that I've seen that people are happy to have strangers in their home. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's cool. I love the mission for sure. Thank I'll you. Be watching it for sure. Like to Uh-oh. see when it expands outside of DC. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's awesome. I, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I am, you know, showing my age at this point, but I remember when there was no internet. Right. I'm 41 at the time at now. So, I mean, hey, I had dial up modem. I had AOL, CompuServe, like all that stuff. So, yeah, going outside and playing, that was the only thing to do when I was a kid. Like you didn't have any. Yeah. Nintendo. Right. Right. You know, like that wasn't connected or nothing. But uh, yeah, I love it. Anything to get. I don't know. I feel like to your point, I mean, I feel like there is this lost thing. Like I, you know the holidays we just passed. I mean, there were people literally, and sadly enough, a lot of kids sitting with an iPad at dinner table. I'm like, can that's actually not I, do that. Like I could start a whole, I could start a whole diatribe about how that's awful. Um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, we have <laughs> my wife and I, we have a two year old son. He just turned two and like, we're like no phone. We don't even have an iPad in the house. Like I just don't have a use for it. She's got a Kindle, but like, other than that, like, there's no reason for that. He's got plenty of time to sit in front of the screen all day. Like he doesn't right. need like these extra things, these stimuli going at his brain at such a young age. It's just, but yeah, my soapbox <laughs> is over. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this has been awesome. Uh, so what, what's next for the next six, 12 months? Just scale top of the funnel lead generation. I think I got lucky enough to figure out product market fit by mere chance pretty much like from the get-go, which is really rare. It has nothing. I'm, I don't think I'm some genius. I think I just got lucky and stumbled upon a, a certain underserved need. So yeah, it's just scaling leads. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure that out myself. It's definitely a challenge. I've tried some Facebook ads and I'm going to keep trying that. I also am doing co-branded webinars. So with some associations or organizations of my target market, I've done one or two of them and they've been pretty successful in terms of conversion. So I'm looking to do more webinars as well as maybe like an evergreen webinar that kind of replays linked with a Facebook ad. Yeah. So I'm and just trying to get the, the word out there more. I'm also experimenting with, I don't know if it's necessarily white labeling, but maybe reselling. So if someone is like an independent marketer or a, a, a digital marketer and they have a client that just needs a, a simple website and they can work directly with us on behalf of that client, you know, they can, they could get a referral fee or just mark up that service or the end result to the client. So uh, yeah, I'm, I still have a lot of irons in the fire and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And hopefully in the next three weeks to a month, I'll get really inspired and, and figure out, you know, where exactly that really good consistent lead channel is because as many people that are in business right now, website by tonight is very heavily powered through referrals. 
So we'll, you know, I'm trying to get past like the name of the show, right? I'm trying to have this consistent lead gen. I'm not trying to be in a, a feast or famine mode. I do want to add um, one small caveat before I forget. And that is, even if you don't want to have a productized service as your full-time thing, and, and even if I didn't turn into my full-time thing and I was still really passionate about creating more customized Squarespace sites myself, as you know better than me, I think it's really important to have these different products for different client, like customer segments. And so, you know, let's say you rely on big projects every so often, but you have another uh, customer segment that keeps coming to you and you don't want to let this money fall through the cracks. Trying to create a productized, lightweight service that you offer at a cheaper rate may be that perfect thing to supplement your income in those months when things are a little quieter. And I'm sure you can design it in a way that doesn't cannibalize your business because the person that would come to me for a three or $5,000 Squarespace, more customized site, chances are is not the kind of person that would opt for a website by tonight and vice versa. So they're two very different customer segments with two very different expectations. And so I think thinking about a productized service to serve those lower budget, maybe clients that you are a little bit less interested in, maybe you'll, maybe you'll get interested in serving them through a productized offering. So I just wanted to add that caveat. Yeah, no, I think it's super smart. I'm a big proponent of that too. Just even make it easier to have somebody work with you if they're not in your ideal market, right? Just to have that other option. Assuming you want to work with them in the first place. You're like, oh, I want to find a way to work together. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, obviously, same thing like we talked about, the, the whole vetting process. But at the same time, like if they were great, like there are plenty of people that I turn away just because of the one thing. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's the scope. Maybe it's the budget. Right. But everything else ticks the mark. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's super smart. Well, this has been awesome. Where can folks reach out and say thanks? Sure. So feel free to just check check out uh, websitebytonight.com. I don't do enough blogging like I should. You can obviously find me on uh, LinkedIn under Jared Gold as well. And also on websitebytonight.com, you know, if you don't want to order anything that's completely fine, or if, you don't, if you're not interested in buying a website right away, that's completely fine. I actually, uh, under the freebies section of my website, you can get for free uh, access to my project brief and content document, which I send to clients as well as I have a, a popular Udemy course on Squarespace actually work side by side in real time with a client. Like it's not edited, it's not cut or anything, uh, which is which was an interesting process. And that's on Udemy and it's normally $99. But if you enter your email, you get uh, access to all of these things for free in case anyone finds that useful. Uh, would love to extend that offer to your audience. Uh, I need to set up some more personal and business blogging. So TBD on that. It is a goal. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And I know all of you out there, look, I got a ton out of this. I'm sure you did too. So thanks again for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Keep up the good work and uh, maybe we'll do this again down the road. Yeah, definitely. Sounds great. I'll have to have you back. Yeah. And for everyone else, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. I certainly echo Jared's statement towards the end there. See what you can do to help diversify your revenue streams by catering to certain segments of your customers that you normally wouldn't engage with with your larger projects and services. Next week, we'll be back with James Rose from Content Snare. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast. Mm-hmm.